Hello, hello. Hi there. Welcome to From Skirts to Scrubs. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Alicia. And we are two medical students trying to figure out our place in medicine by looking to the past and to current events to try and understand the impact they have on us as women in medicine and as women in general. Mm-hmm. And today we're back for episode 19 to talk about periods. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. We've been wanting to do this episode for a while. So we're really excited because like many concepts specific to biologically female anatomy, there's a long history of outlandish stories, misconceptions and explanations that <laughs> that just they just don't quite hit the mark. Oh, God, I, I'm super excited. I know. I'm really <laughs> excited to share some of them with you. But I want to start out by acknowledging that many, if not most, biological females do menstruate, but that that is not a universal experience. And that even if someone does not menstruate, that doesn't make them less of a woman if that is how they identify. Um, And in this episode, we may alternate between saying biological women, cis women, women, etc. But we aim to use the most inclusive language possible. And if you have any feedback for how we can be better at that, please reach out to us. Yeah, that'd be great. Yes. So to start out, though, of course, I have to ask you, Shar, what is like before we even get into what you know about the history of menstruation, maybe do you want to just explain broad strokes what periods are? Like how women or people with uteruses, I guess, bleed once a month. And it's part of their cycle, which has to do with a bunch of hormones and like has to do with your uterus and uterus shedding its walls basically. And then it bleeds and it falls out of you. Why does the blood leave your body? What is the purpose of menstruation? To get rid of the wall because you're not pregnant. You don't need the uterus wall. Yes, exactly. So it's like you ovulate and then two weeks later, if you're not pregnant, your uterus sheds its lining like a little snake. It's like, I don't need this. Get off me. You're, you're too heavy. You're too much. Okay. So then, so then do you know anything about the history relating to periods or maybe like how they were viewed or how women handled them in the past? Like literally anything. I really honestly don't know like anything about the history. Thing. The only thing I've ever heard of is when I read this book that talked about some like it was some Christian story where the women had to sit in this tent whenever they had their period and they all <laughs> had to just menstruate on top of hay, of hay together. And um, oh, yeah, that, that's all I know. That's the only story I've ever heard about what menstruation <laughs> was like. <laughs> good, good, good. I love that. OK, OK. So then if that's all you know about the history, which is so fine. I'm wondering if you are willing to share first period story. So the story of when you first got your period. I do remember my mom gave me like a box with pads and tampons in it. And she was like, this is your girly box. It's just, it's just, it's just ready for when you need it. And I was like, okay, great. And then when I got my first period, I I remember I was at like this science camp actually at this community on center. brand. Yeah. I remember like I was, eh, something feels weird. And I like went to the bathroom and then I saw blood. And I remember initially I like panicked. I was like, ah, I'm dying. And then like a half a second later, I was like, 
oh, this is supposed to happen. Like I remember this now. (laughs) And then because I was at this like science camp and I wasn't expecting to have my first period, I didn't have anything with me, but I did have Um, a quarter. So I I, had to go to the bathroom things where you can like buy a tampon or a pad for a quarter. And I like had to do that. It's probably the only time in my entire life I've used one of those Cute. things. Look at you, a little star, getting her period and stuff. At science camp. <laughs> at science camp on brand. Now, I remember my, so the first time I heard about periods was in the fifth grade when we also had a nurse or like some group of people came in and they divided us into guys and girls. And I was very confused. Oh, I was what? so confused. And then they put us in two different rooms and then we talked about, I will never forget this. They called it, and I quote, the black period. What? I know. I what know. What does that mean? I don't know, but I was so intrigued by this concept and I wasn't scared about it at all because it felt like such a foreign thing. Like I was just learning about it. And then they sent me home with like little goodie bags full of pads and tampons. And they were like, you should pour water on this stuff and see how it works. And so I did. I just had, I filled up glass after glass of water and just dunked tampons into it. Why was it called the black period though? I need to know. That's still my question to this day. I don't know. But then when I got my period, which was I think when probably like the sixth or seventh grade, I also freaked out, but then I was like, wait, I'm prepared. And I went to my little pouch and I got a pad and I was like, this is my time. I'm a woman. (laughs) Made it. So before we begin, I wanted to share with our listeners the very high quality qualitative research that we did for this episode. We did As do you know. high quality, like IRB research. IRB level, I know. So we polled all the men, not all the men, but a lot of the men in our lives. And we asked them yes, what they knew about periods. So I wanted to read some of their answers. Oh my God, I'm so excited. From them <laughs> to help provide the, quote, male perspective that some of them feel is, quote, lacking from the podcast. (laughs) Just so you know, they're all joking and they love the podcast and they're super here to support us, but they're just so funny. And so we wanted to pull their their thoughts um, and I'm going to share our findings with you. Are you ready? Oh, I'm I'm so ready. Okay. well, to start off, this really is setting a strong foundation. Uh, This is not relevant to the poll, but it's just a fun story that came up in this discussion. So one of my friends, when he was younger, literally thought that women peed out of their boobs. So that's... (laughs) What? (laughs) He thought they like leaned over the toilet and like peed out of their boobs. So, you know, that's the foundation that we're starting with. Yeah. No, wait, when did he find out that's not the case? In like seventh grade. (laughs) I know. So for context, all of our friends are in their mid-20s, basically. And so I'm just going to go down the line. So first we asked them, we asked them how old they were when they first learned about periods. And the answers ranged from 10 to 16 years old. In terms of how periods felt, we got some good answers. Some kept it simple with a, quote, really painful and even more simple, yikes. (laughs) 
I know. Others said things like, quote, hot leaking. Like literally imagine warm cough syrup on your crotch. That's what I imagine as far as the the bleeding part. What? (laughs) Hot leaking. Then we asked about their first impressions when they learned about what periods were. So I have, quote, it's a pretty bad gig, which (laughs) not wrong, not wrong. (laughs) And then I also have, quote, sounded gross. Glad I was a guy. Kind of a mystery of how it worked. (laughs) Yeah, they probably were not explained it at all. No, definitely not. Now we were really testing their knowledge when we asked them about menstrual products and how different menstrual products work. So someone said, quote, tampons, parentheses, which are inserted inside, and parentheses, and tampons, parentheses, which are outside, and parentheses. Wait, what? What does the outside mean? What? <laughs> I think this man was under the impression that tan tampons and pads were the same thing. And one is inside and one is outside. Oh. But they're both called tampons. Yeah, that that's incorrect, sir. It's that's a good try, bad. though. <laughs> Unfortunate, but no. Another person said, quote, pads. I imagine you stick to your underwear. Also, pads, parentheses, like a diaper. <laughs> Someone else said, quote, tampon goes up the vag and soaks up the bleeding. I also know there's some type of menstrual cup, but have no idea how a cup could fit down there. (laughs) (laughs) This man is literally imagining like a red solo cup, like attached. (laughs) And then someone said that douches are good for cleaning up period blood. And I just wanted to set the record straight right now and say that's a big no, boys. Big, big no. Douches are very bad for the vagina. The vagina is a self-cleaning lady. So please don't douche, ladies, if you have ever thought about it. The next question we asked was for an explanation of PMS. Uh, Definitely don't go to our friends if you want an explanation (laughs) of PMS because we asked them about the symptoms and they said, hot flashes, hungry, acne, question mark. If I say moody, will I get in trouble? (laughs) And then this is my personal favorite answer. So this person said, I mean, I imagine you feel very up and down as far as emotions go. Knowing about hormone changes now, I definitely don't blame ladies. From an outside perspective growing up, though, thinking of my sister here, so don't get mad at me. Lashing out, loss of patience, overall bad mood. Sometimes crying. I just really liked the way that that was put. And then lastly, we asked for just general thoughts or stories. So I thought I'd share a couple that I thought were particularly funny. So this one says, one time I was tasked to go and buy tampons for my then girlfriend. She wasn't feeling well, so I figured this would be something nice. As I walked up and down the feminine care products, I realized I had no idea what to get. I tried calling to see, but she didn't pick up. I had no idea what I should buy. So I decided that the easiest way would be to grab the tampon that covers the most flow. I grabbed the heavy duty tampon pack and a jar of Nutella and made my way home. Needless to say, bigger is not always better. (laughs) Yeah. And lastly, and I think this man said it the best, he said, and I quote, periods are an L, but being able to grow a baby is pretty dope. (laughs) You know what? We should just end the podcast here, honestly. 
I know. I think Honestly, the episode's yeah. set. So that's the end of our qualitative research. Thank you, boys, for participating. We appreciate you. Mm-hmm. And we are going to set the record straight on some of the things that you didn't quite get right. But before that, we'll just... The effort's appreciated, though. So let's let's get into the history a bit. Okay, let's go. Okay, so I thought a good place to start would be with language that we use to talk about periods. So, of course, we call them periods, also menstruation, menstrual cycles, etc. Um, Char, do you know of any other ways that you've heard periods referred to as colloquially? Like that time of the month? Mm-hmm. Aunt flow. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only two I could think of. Off, yeah, those off are the head. first two that I thought of. I've definitely heard that time of the month. Also a visit from Aunt Flo. And then I looked up some others, but I'd never really heard of them, but they're kind of funny. So I thought I'd read them. So there's on the rag, lady business, the red badge of courage. What? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the crimson tide, the that red wedding. The red wedding. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you would like that one. Mother nature's gift. Girl flu. Carrie and Shark Week. There's just um those names have um there's too much room for interpretation. Like it could mean too many things. You know, I don't want to have to I explain agree. myself. I know, I agree. And there is like a lot of very violent connotation and bloody imagery. So yes. that just kind of tells you how menstruation is viewed. Yeah. But etymologically, the word menstruation comes from the Latin word menstruus whose origin is menses, meaning month. And something I really like is that a lot of cultures throughout history have given periods a mystical meaning. Many, many cultures have tied periods to the lunar cycle because of the 28-day cycle and claimed women have power over agriculture, that periods have magical and healing powers and have an impact on bringing on traumatic events or disease. So, you know, we have a wide range. Yeah, it got every sides of what it could be here. But actually, unsurprisingly, there's not that many records of menstruation in ancient history. Can you think of why, Charlotte? Like maybe it wasn't well known by men. And men were the ones that recorded the things. And most history talks about men. So why would they talk about this unsightly part of women that they maybe they thought at the time? Those are my ideas. I have actually no idea. All of those. No, that's actually why. Because the scribes were men and they just didn't write about that stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe they didn't know about it. Maybe they chose not to write about it. The point is we'll never know. But some things we do know are different snippets of what different groups of people thought about women and their periods. So what I have next isn't really in any chronological order, but I covered as many cultures as I could to get a fuller picture of this. So I'm just going to kind of share what I learned. Okay. So in Mayan mythology, menstruation was thought to be a punishment for women after the moon goddess who represented women, sexuality, and fertility, disobeyed the rules of alliance and slept with the sun god. Oh, no. It was believed that her menstrual blood was stored in 13 jars, which were magically transformed into what we now have as snakes, insects, poison, and diseases. Oh, wow. So women started all the bad things. (laughs) 
<laughs> yup, yeah. In ancient Egypt, the Ebers papyrus, which was and still is a very important medical document, hinted that vaginal blood was an ingredient in certain medicines. So that's kind of cool, oh, I guess. What? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the Bible, ancient Hebrews upheld the laws of Nidah, where menstruating women went into seclusion and had to be separated from the rest of society for seven, quote, clean days. Yes, this is probably the book I read about the tent. This is probably the hay, the hay, I know. <laughs> we had to sit in hay together and bleed. That idea is similar in many other cultures because I've seen it come up a couple times. This idea of seclusion and and staying there for the time that your period lasts. But what's interesting is that I've noticed different connotations. Like some of them are like, okay, leave and be separate from society because you are bringing problems while you're menstruating. And in other cultures, it's like, go find your inner peace for these seven days while you become new. So we'll talk about that a little more, but it's interesting to see that dichotomy. Also in the Bible, in Leviathan 10, 19 to 32. I don't know if I read that right, but I'm trying. There are references to the impurity of women and of the elements that relate to menstruation. Classic. Mm -hmm. The Quran defines menstruation as an evil that needs to be banished to reach purity. Ancient Romans thought that women on their periods were basically dark witches. And this one dude, Pliny the Elder, who was a prominent Roman philosopher and author, wrote in a text. Is that his name, Pliny? I always thought it was Pliny, but you know, I don't know. So, well, I also don't know. So, anyway, Pliny is out here and he wrote in a text called Naturalis Historia Mm -hmm. that women menstruating could prevent hailstorms and lightning, kill crops, turn wine into vinegar break mirrors, ruin iron and leather, make fruit fall from trees, kill bees, and make pregnant animals abort their babies. What? This is, okay. I I have so many questions. (laughs) You think that every woman every month kills bees and causes other animals to abort their babies? Like, how? Oh my God, play. I'm like, please show me the evidence. I'm pretty sure Naturalis Historia like talks about the seasons a lot and like animals and birds and then how like medicine plays into that. So that does make sense. All those things he thought in the nature of that book. But still, why? Why he thought them? I have no idea. (laughs) I'm glad it made sense in the context of his own story in terms of continuity. It's hilarious. (laughs) I know it sounds funny. Um, Our sweet man, Aristotle, thought that it was during menstruation that semen acted to bring on fertilization of the egg, which he's only a little wrong. So that's good. It's got to do with fertilization a little bit. I I know. Yeah. So he was at least someone who was onto something and gave periods a biological role rather than a mystical one. In medieval Europe, there was a lot of opinions on periods. People sure thought, I know, people thought a lot of similar things to Pliny the Elder. So 
things like women on their periods could fog mirrors, could make iron rust, etc. <laughs> but they also thought, in addition to all those things, that the food that these women prepared would spoil and that the kitchen utensils they used would deteriorate and plants what? would wither and that a sick person would get worse if a menstruating woman was around. <laughs> like, what? How? Like, oh my God. I know. They also thought that burning toads would ease heavy menstrual flow. <laughs> just like burning the toad in front of you or like did they do something with the burnt toad yeah so they would basically find a toad but burn it in a pot and wear the ashes in a pouch around their vagina What? (laughs) in france at the time they thought that having sex on your period would lead to you giving birth to a baby that is quote puny languid (laughs) and moribund which means at the point of death Subject to an infinity of fetid maladies, foul and stinking. What? Why? Big yikes. Big yikes. I I don't know, Charlotte. You know we've given up on explanations. That's true. Yeah. And like, I think this dichotomy really shows how little medieval Europeans really knew about periods. Mm -hmm. But they thought that Drinking period blood could cure leprosy, but also that having sex with a woman on her period could corrode the penis. So, you know, sometimes the period, she's good, sometimes she's evil, and we can't decide. Like, where's the line? It was during the Middle Ages and early modern era that it was documented with certainty that women would use rags or other absorbent materials to soak up period blood, which is actually the root of the phrase on the rag. Okay, I kind of figured. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, some things just make sense, and that's one of them. And of course, there was a lot of religious stigma associated with periods. So women would wear sweet-smelling herbs around their necks and waists in hopes of neutralizing the odor of blood. But also, pain relief wasn't really prioritized by the church because it seems that, quote, God apparently wanted each cramp to be a reminder of Eve's original sin. Oh, I'm sure. I knew that was coming. Moving into the modern age, Uh, We just keep the nonsense coming. So 19th century Brits thought that menstruating women ruined food, specifically that butter wouldn't churn and hams wouldn't take on salt for curing if a menstruating woman was preparing them. Um, It was also around this time that a lot of menstrual products that we use today were invented or became popular. And we're going to talk about those in a second, but I just wanted to mention that here because That's the time period. Okay. But modern science finally figured out that periods have reproductive biological reasons for existing. Yes, they do. And that's helpful because obviously understanding what is a physiological or like healthy functioning body can help identify when things go wrong or when they are pathophysiological. But periods are clearly something biological women have been dealing with forever, basically, in both positive and negative ways. So I wanted to talk a little bit 
about how they dealt with periods over time, like what products they use and how they dealt with that. Yes, I'm really interested in hearing this part. Yeah, so it's unclear what women did in the past to take care of their periods in terms of clothing and bleeding. Not to say it's a terrible idea to just bleed into your clothes, but if you get a period, you know that it stains and it's uncomfortable sitting in it. I mean, we all like a lot of us know the feeling. And it's also if you sit in it for too long, it's unhygienic. It can breed bacteria and things like that. So it's not terrible to bleed into your clothes, but excessive bleeding is not necessarily sustainable. But there are some suggestions that ancient Egyptians wore loincloths and made tampon type things from softened papyrus. Mm-hmm. And ancient Greeks made also tampon type things from bits of wood with lint wrapped around them. (laughs) Oh my God. I can't even imagine putting wood chips up your vagina. I can't even use the cardboard tampons. Like, you know, like the cheap (laughs) ones that are cardboard. Yeah. I refuse. I absolutely refuse. Um, Romans wore pads made of wool. That's what they did. Also, Mm -hmm. it's thought that women would just rewash their clothing pretty often, which they probably did. Mm -hmm. In the 19th century, the late 19th century, a German doctor wrote in his book, Health in the House, that, quote, it is completely disgusting to bleed into your own chemise and wearing that same chemise for four to eight days can cause infections. And like, I get that, my dude. I do. But sir, were you the one who's going to wash my clothes after I bleed into them? Yeah. No, (laughs) you're not. (laughs) But around this time came the advent of the Hoosier sanitary belt. Have you ever heard of a sanitary belt? I think so. It holds up a pad, basically. It like hooks onto a belt. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. They were basically these washable pads that you can attach to a belt and then wear it under your undergarments. Probably uncomfy a little bit. I know. I, I imagine it is. That doesn't sound great. In 1888, the first commercially available disposable menstrual pads went on the market and they were known as Lister's Towels made by Johnson & Johnson. Around this time also, so like during World War One was when nurses started using wood pulp bandages that they found in the hospital as pads. And it worked so well that that was the material that became the first Kotex pad. I think those are the tampons that I buy. I think they are. <laughs> yeah, they're like really it's been a colorful. hot minute. But yeah. yeah, those. Yeah, so that brand, Kotex, they started their like menstrual pad line basically in world war one times and now look at them oh wow um the first official tampon actually was invented in 1929 by dr earl haas who got the idea from a friend of his who used a sponge that she tucked into her vagina to absorb menstrual blood and he fashioned a tampon with the key idea being that there would be a string that you could pull to get it out Genius. Absolutely genius. What are some of the menstrual products out there today, Shar? Because obviously we asked the boys. Okay, we got pads, we got tampons, we got menstrual cups. Um, you can buy period underwear, which is fine. Yeah, um, that is fun. 
what else? Yeah, those are the four that I came up with. But what's funny is like there's only four categories, but within each category, there's like crazy subcategories. Really? I mean, like with pads, I could see because you can have like a night pad and then like right. different absorbent levels. And same with tampons, you can have different absorbent levels. Um, and menstrual cups, you can get like different sizes based on like shape of your cervix, how long it is and short it is and how tilted it is period underwear is just like any other underwear it's just reinforced no <laughs> yeah exactly no it is yeah so pads are like those giant absorbent paper cloth stickers for yeah. your underwear um some of them have wings which wrap around the bottom of your underwear which is fun and it's then true. yeah which like you fun. said it is fun they're like little flappy wings okay and um some pads are made of fabric and they can actually be reused Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they have different sizes and thicknesses. And I think when I was writing out these descriptions, I was really thinking about the men in our lives because I was like, do they even realize that women have to wear night pads? Yeah. And and those are the ones that feel like diapers. They're like, basically, night pads are like extra long pads because when you're sleeping and you're laying on your back, if you're like bleeding while you're sleeping, it's obviously going to like go back. So you need like more surface area to cover exactly. basically. I know. And they just don't understand that. They, I, cause I, for a long time, didn't understand that concept. And then I kept getting stains on my bed and I'm like confused, but in hindsight, like, so if I was confused, then they're definitely confused. They also panty liners are a thing for when flow is like really, really light, which is fun. Yeah. Tampons, of course, are the little plugs made of cotton that fit inside the vagina and they soak up blood. They come with the applicator, which is either like a cardboard applicator, which apparently Charlotte hates, and also plastic applicators. The tampon itself has a string that you can pull on to pull it out. There are different sized tampons and some women use the same kind all the time. Sometimes they use different ones throughout even one week, like within one cycle. Um, And it's just important to change your tampon at least every eight hours or so. Otherwise, you could get toxic shock syndrome, which is very rare, but very dangerous. Yeah. But I was like so scared to wear tampons to bed for so long. But actually, it's totally fine to wear tampons to bed if you wear a new one right before you go to sleep and then change it right when you wake up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's been a hot minute since I've gotten my period, so I don't even know anymore. Yeah. But we will get into the thing that I did use for a long time, which are menstrual cups, which are little silicone or rubber bell-shaped cups that you put into your vagina. And they're literally the size of like your thumb. So the boy who was like, how does a cup fit down there? It's really not that big of a cup. And you basically put it in your vagina and it sits in there and then it collects menstrual blood coming out of your cervix. And I personally used a cup for a really long time before I got my IUD and I liked it a lot. But I will say you do have to be pretty comfortable with your body because you're getting all up there. There is like a little thing at the end of the cup for you to pull on when you pull it out, but it's not the same as like pulling out a tampon that just like comes out. You have to like grab it and like break the suction to make it. it, It's like a whole process, but you really feel at peace with yourself and you really get to know yourself really well when you do this. And what's really great about cups is that they can be in for eight to 12 hours. And so you can like, you can wear them when you swim, which I was a swimmer. So that was like a big thing for me. And it was just really convenient. 
Plus, it's more eco-friendly than disposable products. Just going to throw that out there. Little plug. Um, And then period underwear. For example, I think I recently have been seeing a lot of ads for like Thinks underwear. I don't know. But it's basically regular underwear that has an absorption layer. So Mm -hmm. you technically don't have to wear anything. But I don't know. I've never actually tried them. Have you tried them? I haven't, but I've been looking into them a lot because I feel like they'd be so nice to sleep in. The only thing is they're kind of expensive and you'd obviously have to like wash it after. I don't know, but I've been debating like trying it. They sound great. They come in like all shapes and sizes. You can get shorts or you can get bikini style underwear. You can get thongs, which I don't even know how that would work. What? Yes. (laughs) Isn't it? It's crazy. You should like look into it. It's kind of funny. Quite an invention, honestly. I kind of just want to feel one to feel what it feels like because I... I wonder if it really can keep you dry, you know? But for our cis men out there who weren't sure what PMS was, I wanted to do a quick explanation of that as well to clear that up right now. So because of hormonal fluctuations throughout the month and around the time of your period, biological females experience different things like and in those times so some women may experience things like mood swings fatigue depression bloating breast tenderness and headaches those are some common findings like or things that will happen and sometimes it's really mild and sometimes it disrupts our lives Mm -hmm. Um, and the label pmsing is not a positive label like i have you ever heard that in a positive context like ever Nope, (laughs) never. I've literally never heard that in a positive context. And I mean, the fact that it's called a syndrome because it's premenstrual syndrome, that in itself implies that there are symptoms associated with it and that it needs to be treated because it's not all right to have. And also periods are often just really painful and uncomfortable. And for women who have other conditions like polycystic ovarian syndrome or endometriosis Mm -hmm. or just women who get really bad periods, those symptoms can be torturous, but women still carry on even through PMS and PCOS and endometriosis and all these things. Yeah. And so that was just like a light touching on PMS because I, that's just a small part of all of this and it deserves probably more time, but I think all of that coming together, you know, I just, I wanted to point out how special periods are because even though they're not always fun or glamorous, they are in many ways this uniting factor among many people who menstruating. And I think that's important to notice and recognize um, because it's so, it's such a major part of women's lives in many ways. Mm-hmm. But how we talk about it is very different from how important it is. And so I thought we could dive into that more and just chit chat about it. How does that sound? Yes, I'm so ready. Yay! Let's okay. do it, do it, do it. Do it. Okay, we're back. So Charlotte, tell me, so tell me what thoughts you have, what came up for you during that history. I hope it was amusing for you. It was. I, okay. I guess what I thought was really interesting 
was all the ideas about like all the awful things that periods could bring. It really reminded me, especially of um, the story about, about how the punishment for women and they put the blood in the like cases and then the cases cause all these diseases. I was like Pandora's box because that had to do with the women, a woman causing all this death and disease in the world and like all the bad things. And that was kind of the exact same thing that the blood from like the menstruating woman was causing. So I thought that connection was really interesting. Um, that is interesting. Pandora's box comes from it's a completely different culture. And yet they're still like having the exact same ideas about women being the root of all these like evils in the world. Um, yeah. Also, by saying that menstruating women did all these things. Like that's like a lot of the women in the population every single month, like every single day, there's going to be someone causing these issues then. Yeah, Um, it doesn't. It did not make sense. I was also confused. And something that I think was also sticking with me was just the way that periods were talked about. First of all, how do you even know that someone's on their period? Like, Unless she tells you. Yeah. How do you know? So that was the first thing. And then also, I think what got me was that, like, in no context did we ever hear that women's periods were described as fresh or clean. Yeah. Never. And if you think about it in a certain way, how wonderful is it that the uterus can literally start fresh every month? Mm-hmm. Like it sheds its lining and continues on, but we don't portray periods in that way. We yeah. portray them as shark week, as the bringers of whirlwinds and the killers of bees. Like that doesn't make oh, sense. God. Yeah. It's weird that the uterus is going through such a cool change every single month. And yet on the outside of a, of a woman that's experiencing it, it's not cool. <laughs> No, I agree. And just as a quick aside, it's funny that you bring up like how cool it is um, because it is. But uh, I was actually looking through my like women's studies resources before, like in writing this episode. Mm -hmm. And I came across like one random class where we were talking about like menstruation and the beautiful cervix project came up. So if at any point you're interested in looking at how exactly the uterus changes throughout your period, you can go to this project. It's called the Beautiful Cervix Project and basically look at photos I like look documented. Okay. It's basically pictures of cervical osses, like cervical openings <laughs> um, throughout like a 30-day cycle of a period. And it's actually really cool. Oh, there it is. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. Because if you didn't know what that was, you'd be like, what is that? Like, Dude, where? I know. But I do know what that is. But that's actually so funny. I kind of, I love that. Um, okay. So I wanted to ask you my other question, which is from your perspective, what we talked a lot about what periods were viewed as in the past, but what do you feel or what do you think are the current feelings that Western society has about periods? Or, and do you know of how other cultures maybe view them or just anything that you know about current thoughts about periods, like the vibe? 
Okay, the vibe I think for periods now is like they're more it's more accepted to openly talk about certain aspects of a period. So like saying you're on your period, don't feel weird like saying that I'm on my period or um just mentioning like I guess like the more tame parts of it, but I feel like it's a lot different to be it's not as accepted to be like, oh, today it's like a really heavy flow and I'm worried about bleeding through. I can tell my yeah. roommate that or like my friends that like if you're sitting and you're like, hey, can you check me when I stand up and make sure that I'm fine? Like those are things you can say to your friends maybe, but like maybe not to like your guy friends. It might not be as like accepted because they might be like, what are you talking yeah. about? Like what? Because um, that part of periods aren't talked about. Like the more messy parts aren't as talked about so they're less accepted I think yeah also I was thinking about how our opinion of how periods are viewed is probably skewed because we're in med school and because all of our friends are in med school right and I think that's valid and that's warranted right we're living in this world that we exist in and so we feel more or less comfortable speaking about certain things but I do think generally in mainstream Western culture, menstruation is still pretty taboo. And I think a good place to see that is actually in advertising around periods. Because basically what you see is women running around wearing white, all happy and sporty and playful. So funny. Here's a tampon so you can be sporty and playful. Like I know. We want women to look like that on their periods. But periods can be both physically and emotionally messy. And sometimes when we're on them, sure, we like sometimes look fun and flirty and cute (laughs) and playful. And other times we're in bed with like a warm water bottle. Like that's like what's happening. So it's just not accurate. And I think that advertising is like a good place to look. But I also did a little more research on how other cultures view periods And I just think it's really cool that there's so many cultures that celebrate them, not only when you get them even like every month, but also when you first get your period, there's like celebration around that, which I think is so wonderful. So I have a couple like examples. So the Ojibwe native peoples believe that menstruation is a time of restorative and valuable reflection. So women actually, like similar to the example we were talking about before, women will sequester themselves in what they call a moon lodge to cleanse and reboot their spirits and energies. Um, The Tacuna tribe in Brazil, which is like, they live deep, deep in the Amazon, Mm -hmm. but they, okay, so this is like kind of sad, but then it's not so sad. So, So they celebrate first periods by having a young girl live alone in a house for a year is probably very intimidating. But the one thing I liked about the story is that only that her grandmother is allowed to visit her. And so she's taught different life skills by her grandmother. And then when the year is, I know. And then when her year is over, the tribe has a procession for the girl to lead her back home. And then they have three days of rituals, dances, and feasts. When And then she's just given a bunch of gifts. You know what? Maybe that does sound great. Because sometimes being alone for a year sounds fantastic. <laughs> That's my little introverted Charlotte. Uh, 
but I sure. I think I love the idea of wisdom being passed down by women a- across different generations. And that thought is just really moving to me. So I thought that was fun. Mm-hmm. And then similar to the Tikuna people, the Hoopa people of Northwestern California celebrate a girl's first period with the flower dance which can last several days. And so they basically partake in traditional song and dance with their community. And I love this because the Hoopa people believe that menstruation can restore balance to the world, that it's this like beautifully positive thing. And I I think I just love that concept. And there's many, many, many other examples of this, but these are just a few. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I was like, if I have a daughter, we're definitely going to have a party when she gets her first period. Like I want her to feel really proud of it. Really empowered. The inner feminist is coming out hardcore. Oh, in the outer feminist, all the sides of it. We're having a period party, like for sure. So I love that idea. It was just a fun concept to me is like the idea of celebration and like celebrating this milestone in your life. We celebrate like, becoming an adult all the time but you know why are we not celebrating this if like depending on how we define what an adult is like this is a milestone too that deserves not to be hushed under the rug but to be well I think it's so I mean this will probably we'll probably have an episode topic that talks more about this but like women's bodies go through like three huge phases and one is before having a period one is during your reproductive years and one is after your reproductive years and like how your physiology changes during that time is like huge and even if you're not like someone who identifies as a woman but you have a uterus or if you don't want to have kids so you like your reproductive years aren't as important to you but like it's still going to happen to your body because it's still a part of your physiology So it's going to affect you in a way. Um, So your period is like a start of like literally a new phase of life for your body. Like even if it's not like you like mentally recognizing it, like your body is starting a new part. Yeah, no, I agree. I definitely agree. It is dope. Girls are, what is it? Periods are an L, but being able to grow a baby (laughs) is pretty dope. Yes, yes. (laughs) Theme of the episode. (laughs) I know. Oh, but so my last question is just wondering, like talking about all this and so much stigma that comes with menstruation, in what ways can we destigmatize menstruation? And what are some impacts that you hope that would have on the health of individuals who get periods? I feel like to start to destigmatize it, we just need to talk about it. Why are these boys? Why are the boys who answered our survey, survey, the ones who are in medical school with us, who are in their 20s, like mid-20s, still don't understand how periods work? Like that needs to start from the beginning in education, like in health education classes, why like girls are barely explained periods are to them. The men also need to be explained intricacies of the period. Cause that's going to help start like destigmatizing it. Cause if you from a young age understand what it is and you're just like, okay, yeah, I learned that at school. It's normal. It's fine. Like you're going to bring that with you into your adult years. And that's how you're going to be able to like make the change. So health education would be 
huge in helping with this, I think. As many things go destigmatizing. It's just being more open and accepting in conversations about it. Yeah, no, that's actually very true, both in my personal experience. And then also I was like looking into this more and there's very clear literature on this. Um, There was like a study that came out in like a couple of women's health journals, scientific journals that were basically, they were qualitative studies asking women who had positive and negative period experiences. Like how do they feel generally about their periods? And mm-hmm. basically women who had positive experiences reported that they had a positive self body image and that they felt like they could talk about their periods and that menstrual attitudes and experiences and behaviors were all net positive. And yeah, and they just also reported better general health behaviors, whereas it was the opposite for women who reported having negative experiences. And so I think it also kind of ties into larger systems of like, how do we socialize our women and how do we empower them to feel safe and whole and proud of their bodies? Mm -hmm. And then also the same for men and having them feel the same way about women, but then also feel good about themselves like I feel like males have to have or I hope that they have like positive self body image so that they don't project their feelings onto other people including women who potentially feel very sensitive about it yeah you know what I just remembered something that we should not do in society is make assumptions about periods that we don't understand and form products. I don't know if you've heard of this. It's called like the pinky glove or something. Oh, you sent me that thing. I think I sent you a TikTok on it, but it's crazy. It's like the, some other English version of um, Shark Tank where like people go and pitch their business ideas. Then someone like takes them on and helps them start it. And it's these two guys who basically manufacture this pink glove that you can use to take out your tampon with. So that you don't dirty your hand while taking out your tampon. That's already appalling. And I was shocked when I saw that because it's, you're assuming that period blood is disgusting and dirty and messy. And and it's not like you want to like go and get a handful of it. Like it's blood, but that doesn't mean like women are disgusted by themselves. They're like during their period. Like that's what they're assuming is that women, women are so appalled by their own period blood that they can't even do the necessary tasks to take care of their hygiene without this unnecessary product. And then to make it worse, the product was their idea for the product came from the smell of period waste in a, in a trash can in a bathroom that, cause they like lived with females and they were like, Oh, the glove can help cover up the smell. No, just take out the trash more often. Yeah. The intention is to like be more accepting of periods and like do things to help women, but you're not helping it. You're making it worse. So in the attempt to destigmatize periods, you need to have conversations with people who experience them and ask them like, what do you need to make you more comfortable to talk about it more openly and publicly and make it a more accepted part of life? Yeah, no, that was crazy when you sent me that. One thing I do want to say, though, that I did find interesting that I think is worth noting is that there is nothing dirty inherently about period blood. People in different cultures literally use period blood as base product. 
Like I was reading a thing. Yeah. And there's not like scientific evidence of this, but it's their belief that period menstrual blood has like regenerative properties. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're not that far off. Like it's just blood, you know? And so, and so there's nothing like dirty about it. It's not fecal matter or something like that, that has like bacteria. It's just that if you let it fester, of course, like like any blood, anything. Yeah. Like any blood, you're going to develop an odor. It's going to Mm -hmm. breed bacteria. Like it's just a fact of life. And like, yeah, I was shocked when you sent me that, but I also was, it was one of those shocked but not surprised moments which is sad but true but yeah I think that's all I have but thanks for having this conversation with me this was so fun I was so excited for it all week and I know a lot of my friends who filled out the form are like really excited to listen to the episode and um yeah I hope people learned some great things from your wonderful so too teaching trying (laughs) okay Um, but if you like this episode and you want to hear more, you should subscribe on all podcasting apps. We're available everywhere. And then leave us a rating and review. And Apple Podcasts is definitely the best place to do that. And if you want to find out how you can leave a rating and review, you can check out our Instagram because Charlotte made a great video tutorial to help you figure that out. Yeah. So our Instagram and our Facebook is both at From Skirts to Scrubs. So Check us out there. We post pretty regularly um, with new new episode content along with any other information or updates we have. And we also have a website, which is from scrubs.com, where you can find more information on all of our episodes. You can find our show notes, our sources. You can also find our merch there, all of those great things. Yes. And as our podcast grows, we're interested in doing more collaborations and making more bonus content. So if you or someone you know is interested in working with us, you should shoot us an email or an Insta DM or just reach out however you can. Yeah. And lastly, here's to the women who fought for us to be where we are today and maybe do the same for those who come after us. All right. Yay. See Bye. you all the next time.